Hey everybody, it's Matt here. And before we get to the episode today, I just want to invite you to slay this giant of sexual sin with us. I want to invite you to consider doing an event with us. We have so many different kinds of events that we could do. There's events for men, there's events for men and women, events for parents, for youth, for young adults. There's Sunday morning preaching. Um, some of the events that we do are for our one-time things and some are weekend-long conferences. And so if this is on your heart and you'd like to address sexuality and porn in your church or in your circle, in your ministry or whatever that might look like, uh, I would invite you to go to restoredministries.ca slash events. You can see what's possible there with some things that we've done in the past. And we're also very flexible with working with different event organizers and, and churches in what it can look like for their particular setting. And so if you have it on your heart to carry the message forward of, of freedom and wholeness and health over sexual brokenness, I would love to chat about what that might look like. Go to restoredministries.ca slash events. And at the bottom of the page, you'll see my email and feel free to email me. We can hop on a Zoom call together and look at what doing an event together might look like for you. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Brad Hafner. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of our episode, Pure Victory Podcast, by the way, but part two of our episodes on sexless marriage. And I know last week we were mentioning the different causes of why we might have a sexless marriage. And this week, we want to talk about some of the things we can actually do. So we mentioned a few of the issues that can lead to a sexless, sexless marriage. So to give you a recap, we have... Um, our individual issues and our marriage issues. So marriage issues are things like drift, unresolved conflict, and the different seasons that we all go through in marriage. Then the individual issues are things like trauma, um, our physiological or or medical issues, um, addiction, and uh, certain beliefs that we can hold as an individual. So again, we mentioned this isn't comprehensive. These are just some main kind of pinpoint ones that we want to bring out because uh, we have seen these at play in, in so many marriages. Um, we've seen these work even in our own marriage marriages. So uh, we're going to talk today about what we can actually do about this though, because we don't want to just leave it hanging, right? We don't want to be like, hey, we're going to tell you the issues, but now nah, you got to figure out what to do about them. No, we want to actually give you some, hopefully some next steps and maybe some better understanding about what we can do if we fall into one of these uh, categories. Yeah. And one thing that's helpful I find for me is is I, I say it a lot about different things, but it's relevant here too, is the things that we have in our mind that stop us from having a healthy sex life or a frequent sex life, they stop us because they make sense. It makes sense to us that our past trauma would get in the way or it makes sense to us to not pursue our wives or our husbands for whatever reason because probably they don't want it. We don't want to put pressure on them. I mean that makes sense. It's just not productive. It's just not fruitful. And so if you look inwardly and go, or and even pray and ask the Lord, like, what are the things that I'm personally being affected by or believing that's stopping me from coming together with my spouse or from coming together more frequently or being more present or even just from pursuing sex in general? What are the things that are, that are, that you're going through that you're believing? If you could even spend some time pondering that before bringing them to your spouse, that's a that's a really really good a good first step. Yeah, absolutely. Is. And I think that's a good start point. It's a good start point to move uh, forward. And because 
if we, you know, I think of our, our, whatever our end goal is wanting to be to come back completely to, to one another. Um, I think that we need to create bite-sized kind of steps and goals for ourselves. And that's a good way to kind of think about this podcast too, is what are some bite-sized things, some little movements I can make, because it can be pretty overwhelming. That's usually the thing that will stop us from moving forward at all. If we have this end goal in mind and we don't know how to get there, it's too overwhelming. So we don't do anything. Um, so these little bite-sized things, the little movements that we can make towards our spouse, uh, that's really going to be far more effective than just having this big, massive goal. We still need to have goals, uh, but if we have that big, massive goals and have no understanding that it takes steps to get there, um, it'll just be too hard to get to that place that we're trying to get to. And really, this is the grow in our oneness, our closeness, and our intimacy as married couples. You know, husband and wife coming together, um, growing in this area in our marriage. And this is something that is a journey. Uh, again, not a destination. So I want to be clear about that. We are on a journey together, but we can move closer to each other. We can move further apart. And uh, so we're, we'll talk about some of these specific issues that maybe have caused us to kind of drift apart or come apart, have a kind of division in our marriage. And um, again, we mentioned the two different areas, individual and marriage. So some steps to kind of start off with marriage. I mean, let's start with marriage issues. I think that the one that I mentioned first was drift, drift. And if you want to go back, please do and listen to our other podcasts if you understand what we mentioned, what drift is. But with this one, we're going to talk about some things we can do about drift. Uh, and really, again, this is the, the little movements we can make towards connecting with each other. So the opposite of drift is connection. And to connect, we have to be intentional. And learning each other as a couple, how can I be intentional? What is going to make my spouse feel loved? What makes me feel loved? And be able to communicate that to your spouse. So a good resource, love languages. You ever heard of love languages by Gary Thomas? The five love languages. Five love languages. Yep. Uh, not Gary Thomas, Gary Chapman. Sorry, Mr. Chapman. <laughs> Gary Chapman. And this is a great resource because we all speak a certain language when it comes to love, uh, the way that we best feel loved and the way that we communicate love. And so learn what yours is, learn what your spouse is, and then learn that language. That's one way that we can combat drift is we learn what our love language of our spouse is. And then we do the things that make them best feel loved. And the five love languages, I don't need to get in all of them, but I'll give you an example of one is for instance, quality time. And I bring that one up because that is my wife's primary love language is quality time. Good boy. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I know that I need to spend quality time with her. And my mind, in my mind of what quality time is, is actually very different from her. So we need to ask the question, like, what does it actually mean for you to have quality time? If that is your spouse's love language. You're like, I was watching the hockey game. You were right yeah, beside you're me. Right honey. beside that was, me. That That's quality. quality, right? I mean, you're, you're feeling that connection, right? No, she's not. No. <laughs> she needs to have good conversation. She needs my full undivided attention. So if we go to a movie, that's not quality time for her. She, it's not that she doesn't enjoy that with me, but that's not the thing that makes her best feel loved. It's actually having a great conversation. Um, maybe doing a shared activity with her and, and kind of undoing that in, in, while, while we're communicating. Um, like, but really, she needs a deeper connection that, on that level with that quality time. So that's what I had to learn because I didn't understand that. Quality time to me just means I'm in the same room as you because <laughs> that's not my primary love language. I don't speak that language easily because I have to learn it. So learn what your spouse's love language is and, and do it. And at the same time, to combat that drift, you know what your spouse needs. So if you know what your spouse needs, needs that is a great responsibility. 
You ever remember that Spider-Man quote? Great power comes great responsibility. They're nerding out on you. Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. Great power comes great responsibility. So you have a great power um, in the sense that you can either love your spouse this way or actually step on that hose, so to speak, where the oxygen's coming into their life. We got to give them the oxygen they need, which is that love. So do everything you can to love your spouse. And at the same time, figure out a way to communicate to your spouse or, or have that conversation of, hey, this is what makes me feel best loved. So that's something that we can do to combat the drift. And there's a lot of things. We can get into a lot of different rabbit trails with this, but that was one I wanted to bring up because a lot of people aren't aware of that resource. Uh, That's one of the best ways I've known in our marriage that we can combat drift. Well, and and look at what is causing you to drift too. If it's work, if it's kids, if it's your phone, which is often the case. Yeah. um, What are those things and how can you address those? For for us, we have this funny thing. Like I'll be on my phone and she'll come into the room and I'll put my phone down. Or if I'm on some app, I'll close the app and put the phone down. Well, she'll see me. All she'll see is I'm closing the app and putting the phone down. So she's always like suspicious. Like, what are you looking at? Why are you not wanting me to see? Like, no, no. It sounds familiar. I, I, this is something I think I struggle with too. Oh, man. Yeah. We've never talked about that. Yeah, I didn't know. No. So like, no, no, like I, I know that you want to spend time with me right now. So I'm putting the phone down. She's like, it just seems like you're hiding stuff from me. Uh, I guess it probably does seem like that. I'm sorry. I just knew you want my undivided attention. And then if I stay on my phone, then it looks like I'm ignoring her. And so we just need to, <laughs> which make, it does, it makes sense. So, yeah. so uh, we just need to communicate through that. What are the things that are causing you to drift? Because a lot of times these conversations that we have, we're having them because it's not the first time it's happened. We, she notices me on my phone and doesn't say something. And then mm-hmm. gradually over time, then she starts saying stuff, but the drift has already started to happen. Yeah. So we got to, we got to talk about those things and, Seek to understand before seeking to be understood, right? Mm, that's um, great. Unresolved conflict is a big one though. You know, you carry a lot. A lot of us are scared to even have conversations with our spouse and maybe maybe it's even justified. Maybe they don't respond well to conflict and we're worried about bringing things up. Whatever that unresolved conflict is in your marriage, if you if you need to seek counsel on that in order to have a safe place to bring things up, Oh, I mean, we we really encourage you to do that. It could be very, very helpful to get some mentors, get some counseling. If you have the money, if you don't have the money, don't let it stop you. You can mm-hmm. pray for mentors. You can pray for friends or pastors that you can meet with and just help you resolve that conflict. That's why I love the weekend getaways with Family Life Canada. Just so many, so many uh, plugs for the weekend getaways in the last couple of episodes. But I love it because they go, we go there and they start so many conversations in so many different areas of our lives. We can, we get a teaching on it. They start the conversations, then we bring it home and we have so many different conversations that we, the door has been open to have. And it, it leads to, um, to, to resolving conflict and different things. So if you can have a third party help you initiate the conversations around conflict and give you some guidance on how to go, how to go about that. We just encourage you to do that. Uh, I, I remember I was about five years married and I was praying for a few weeks just saying like, Lord, I don't feel joy right now. Like, why do I not have the joy that I want? And and I just remember God putting it on my heart. You, you've you been bitter and you have unforgiveness towards your wife. And, and I went, oh my gosh, I, I didn't even realize it. And so once he brought that to mind, it kind of became clear. And I went to Louise and I just said, Honey, I'm sorry. I've been holding on to this stuff. I didn't even really realize the degree I was holding on to things. It was more in my subconscious, but I'm sorry. And 
and just resolving what what there was conflict uh, what conflict there was that helped us and it wasn't a hard conversation it was a good a good healthy conversation because it was like man we're gonna be better now mm-hmm. and closer now so if there's things that we need to let go of in our in our marriage um our spouse is not going to ever be perfect and we are never perfect no. so if there's things that we need to let go of and just kind of be be okay with um while helping each other grow and all of that then that's that's sometimes part of this letting go of of unresolved conflict mm-hmm. yeah we we need to learn how to get good at granting forgiveness and seeking forgiveness uh, those are two movements that we have to make um, and that's really important a key thing and if you want to learn other great resources, there's a great resource called uh, the Languages of Apology. Um, that's another actually uh, Gary. Actually, was it Gary Thomas or Gary Chapman? Gary, it's Gary. It's Gary. We know that. Anyways, look it up. Okay. Anyways, we have the language too that we we best uh, receive forgiveness, like in the sense of someone asking us, "Hey, I'm sorry." There's a way that we best want to hear that, and sometimes we don't recognize that. And um, so, I would recommend looking into that. We'll try to include that in the show notes if we can. Um, but it's really important because conflict is inevitable. You're going to have conflict. You can't avoid it. Avoiding it is actually uh, a very bad indicator moving towards divorce. So we can't avoid conflict. We have to deal with it. And to be honest with you, I think that the key thing here is that we have to learn to fight well. Um, we have to learn how to deal with conflict much better. And so what I've always mentioned, different things that we've spoken at, it isn't so much the instance of conflict in your marriage that's an indicator for unhealth. It's actually the avoidance. And uh, another sign of, of health in your marriage is that we close the gap from when the offense was incurred versus when we come back together and repair the relationship um, through forgiveness and granting forgiveness, um, seeking it and granting. Uh, that's a sign of maturity and growth in our marriage because conflict is inevitable. Every couple is going to have conflict. And so we have to learn how to deal with conflict in a healthy way instead of avoiding it. And that's key. And there's, we could really go into an in-depth teaching here, um, but we're not going to. But I just, I really recommend you to find some resources about learning how to have a good uh, conflict and then learning what that means. Um, The next one that we want to mention is seasons. Uh, We talked about this again in the last podcast, but we all go through seasons in our marriage. And uh, we mentioned the season of having young kids. As an example, Matt brought up that too as well. Um, it could be our work schedules, changes in, uh, going on in our marriage as well, with different, maybe we're going through a cold season or whatever else. Um, one recommendation we would have for you is that, hey, you know, whatever season you're going through, that season will end. It will come to an end. It will change. Um, we don't stay in every season. Um, and so that's, that's to give you hope. Why we bring that up is because sometimes we can't see past whatever we're going through right now, um, but there is hope for you. Uh, so whatever season you're in, what we recommend is that you keep the pilot light burning when it comes to sex, when it comes to connection. What do I mean by that? Well, you know a pilot light, right? It's a small little flame that's constantly burning, consistently burning. And it, has, uh, it can be cranked up to a full flame when we turn it up. And that's the thing is like when we are in a season where we don't have a lot of time for each other, Maybe young kids are pulling at us and raising children is, uh, is a lot. Um, keep the pile of light burning as much as you can. As much as you can, have that connection with each other. And then when the season allows and the kids get older or the work cha- schedules change, you can crank the heat back up again. But if you are starting from nothing, you're working out of a deficit, there is no pile of light. It is way harder to turn up that up because you're having to build a fire. And that can be way harder. So that's why we say keep the pile of light burning. And that's... 
I know there's a lot of nuance to this in your life, uh, whatever season you're going through, but this has aided us well. And I think it's aided many couples well to just have that mindset. What's a way that we can bridge this gap? Well, how can we stay connected to each other no matter what season we're going through? How can we be together even though it's difficult due to time or other things that are pressing? So just think that through. What does it mean to keep the pile like burning in your marriage? Well, it is a good analogy too, because I, I picture a fire and when a fire is burning, it, it wasn't burning right away. Like first you had to get the sticks and you had to put the sticks together and you had to get, you know, whatever, whatever other components are and you had to get uh, a, ma- a lighter or whatever you use a match to, to light the fire. And there's different components. And when we're in a sexless marriage or we're going through a, a drought with sex, we just want to have sex but what about the components that will lead to a good sex yeah. life um i remember i remember early in our marriage uh i was starting to see some some negative patterns uh just in our sex life and like on the outside it was like oh this is pretty frequent and fun and mm-hmm. it's and it's going well but it was like you know there there's things about there there's just things that we weren't talking about and so we were we tried to bring those up and again i've said it before but i was immature in my approach to it so i didn't do a good job but i did start to see some some patterns what i did with those i guess wasn't good but but i i when you start to see patterns that are that are that are unhealthy in your sex life or in your marriage and you just cover them with sex or pursuing intercourse but those those under the surface things are still there it's not it it won't last right and that's what happened with us it just everything fell apart. If you can not just pursue the sex or the intercourse, but like, Hey, what are the things that are leading us to have conflict in our, or, or division in our sex life? Those are so important to, to, to identify. Uh, and with seasons too, we have to have grace, Brian, you kind of referred to it, but like, we have to have grace for each other, mm-hmm. grace for ourselves, grace for the other. If it's, if it's a really great season where it's often, often and awesome, that's great. If it's mm-hmm. not have grace, I mean, it could be, it could be a long stretch. It could be a 10 year stretch where you're working through things, especially when there's trauma involved and it's just hard. Do what you can and have grace for each other. You're not going to die. We said it before. You're not going to (laughs) die because you're not having sex as often as you want. Um, But make it a goal to get healthy so that you can put all of the sticks and matches and everything together and have the pilot light burning. Yeah. If there's, that's speaking to, if there's just nothing happening sexually. So um, yeah, you know, with, with trauma, we want to move into that. It, there's, there's so many different ways that we're traumatized or sexual abuse is also just emotional abuse. There's, 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 uh, uh, it could be their spouse for sure. But what I've heard a lot is a, is a husband who puts just a lot of pressure on his wife and just, Hey, right. we got to go now. We got to go now. And tomorrow we got to go again. And tomorrow we got to go again and, and, and telling the wife what to do and different things. And, and the wife just going like, okay, I guess it's my duty. I guess I have to do it. Scripture says I have to do it. It's my marital duty. And just so much so much emotional trauma that happens on the part of the, the spouse who's being told what to do or being forced or pressured and not being loved, but rather being neglected. And they're just kind of like a sexual servant. So there, there's emotional abuse in that. There's sexual abuse. And it could be in marriage. It could be in childhood. There's, Brad, and you talk about... Um, financial infidelity where there's mm-hmm. there's a hiddenness with money or you're not on the same page with money and maybe there's manipulation going on 
with that. And so that'll, that'll affect the intimacy, whatever that trauma is, or the wounds, the emotional wounds that are present to seek help. uh, I think first with the Lord is really awesome and he can heal our hearts, but to speak that out, whether it's with our spouse or if they're not safe, then with a friend or, or with somebody who can, who can guide us in that process. I just want to encourage that because I I remember this moves into even the next thing, but the medical part of it, I remember that this woman, she was, she was older, like a senior. And she'd said it it was 25 years that they hadn't had sex because her husband had um, physical problems and he couldn't do it. And so she was wounded by that. Like emotionally, she was a mess because of it. And she just started going off on her own and, and pursuing sexual outlets on her own without him. And so there's trauma there. There's also a medical issue there. But the sad thing is they didn't, they didn't persevere in their um, pursuit of a resolution. Mm-hmm. Maybe they did. I'm sure that they did for a time. But eventually that they gave up. And that's, that's happened a lot. So that was just the first. I've heard a lot of those stories now where people just kind of give up. And, it, and it's sad. And so we just want to pursue resolution to things and hold on to the faith. And I know it's way easier said than done. But when we can hold on to the Lord in this, uh, I remember there's been some couples who have said, like, it's encouraging to know that it's God's will for us to have a good sex life yeah. because it really is. And so we can pray and we can hold on to that hope. And if it's months or years and where things aren't going well, we can we can hold on to that hope and do everything that we can. As one of my old mentors said, it, you do everything that you can and God does the rest. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the same with this approach too. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the next one there we want to talk about on an individual sense is the physiological issues. We just need to get real with these things. Uh, if we have something that's holding us back here, whether it's ED, vaginismus, uh, some pain, something that's going on there, um, first talk about it as a couple. Because uh, sometimes we just keep this shrouded in shame. Um, maybe we feel guilty that we're, we have this and we don't talk to our spouse about it. We keep it from them. Then again, what we talked about, if we have misunderstanding or a lack of communication, that creates gaps in understanding, creates assumption uh, on the part of our spouse, um, and they're not sure what's going on. So they fill in those gaps with their own assumptions, and that just creates more divide. So talk about this. Um, Create a space where you can share. And then as you do that, get on the same page as a couple about what you need to do to get the support that you need, Um, whether it's medically or maybe there's some sort of psychological thing that needs to happen. Um, it might be other things, you know, that you need to do as a couple so that you can move through these things and, and get the help that you need. Um, and, uh, another one that we want to talk about, and this is, I mean, our, our whole podcast for the most part talks about this one, but addiction. And of course we're talking about porn, but there could be other addictions too, right? There could be other addictions, um, other serious things that are breaking trust, uh, within the relationship. The key thing though, with addiction uh, this is might be an individual-based thing, but it has caused a break in the trust for you as a couple. There is no trust anymore. There's no safety anymore. There's no security. So it, we have to rebuild those things. Uh, there needs to be a path and movement forward uh, where we rebuild trust. And that can be done through having community, um, transparency. And we have a lot of episodes about this. Like, um, If you want to know, like I think it's episode 83, you know, Husbands, What to Tell Your Wives. Uh, we have other great episodes where you can learn about the steps that you need to take if addiction is in your life. But the key thing is, is that we, we're, everything with us is intentionality. You have to be intentional. Addiction doesn't go away on its own. It actually festers and gets much, much worse if we don't deal with it. Um, so 
you both you, you need to support as individuals. You need support in your marriage, and you need outside help to do that. Um, that's why we talk about community. It might be you need the third party help of a counselor. Uh, tie in a peer freedom journey. Get Matt as a coach. Um, do things that you can to get the help individually, and then the support you need in your marriage. You have to make steps and choices that move you forward. Because if you just stay standing still, you're actually moving back. And you're going to get, it's just going to be way more harder on you um, moving forward if you're not being intentional, because these things don't just go away on their own. So be very intentional when it comes to addiction. Learn what it means to get the help that you need and, and what that looks like for you individually and as a couple. Think about being addicted to something and then the shame that causes and the d- division and the hurt and the wounds in marriage versus just dealing with it. And then maybe like a year or two from now, you can have a really good sex life and be intimate. Yeah. And or maybe four years from now, whatever. If it's if it's years, it's it's worth it, right? And so it's it's so worth dealing with the issues in our life, and it's possible. Don't ever let it let yourself believe that you're just too far gone. You're going to be addicted forever. It's so possible to get free. Um, and then our our, our beliefs, like you know, we, we on a positive sense, like God's design for sex is amazing. But a lot of us, we're just taught the mechanics, maybe. And we don't even know, like, what are the deep beliefs or the benefits or, you know, the the different things that are designed associated with the mechanics of sex. Like, God has created sex to be an act of worship. He's created sex to be for be fruitful and multiply, to multiply, obviously, in giving birth, but also from an emotional standpoint, the connection, the biological standpoint, there's a connection spiritual it's a, the consummation of covenant and then the the reaffirmation of that over and over and over again and so what are all of the beliefs that you have about sex do you think that sex is just dirty and no wonder you don't think god can be part of that because or you don't pray and bring god into your sex life because it's just dirty and maybe you think that it is one-sided maybe you think it is just for the man not for the woman i mean what are the beliefs that culture has given you maybe it's that that you should get sex every day or 27 times a month or else you're going to get prostate cancer like one study said (laughs) what are the beliefs that you have around sex from culture from family from maybe a misinterpretation of the bible where husbands will say like hey it says in the bible that i have authority over your body you can't withhold from me give me your body and it's like that could go both ways too it's what are the beliefs that you have that are holding you back from having a healthy prospering sex life if you can identify those if you can go okay if i had never learned about sex ever other than getting it from getting my teaching from the bible and god the council what would i learn what would i think about sex what would i believe about sex if you can think about the character of god being one who's like lays his life down for another who's all about serving all about glorifying god um, whatever it is that you think about the character of God, or, or not you, that you think, but that's true about the character of God, and then bring that into your sex life. Go, okay, do I think that this glorifies God? Do I think that, that, like, is my approach one of servanthood, laying myself down for the other? Is that it? Or am I more selfish? Am I more like, oh, I want this for me, and and or I want this now, and I have no self-control with this, and I just have a high drive, and 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 it's out of my control and woe is me because my spouse isn't mm-hmm. there like what are the beliefs that you have that are hindering the prosperity of your sex life those are important to bring to the surface in conversation and then maybe rectify if if necessary yeah well said so those are some things that we can do 
And I know that there's way more that we can go in in regards to this. But the key thing is that we don't have to stay where we are. There is more uh, for our marriage. There really is. And if you have a sexless marriage, there is hope for you. We know of couples that have had a sexless marriage. And Matt mentioned that's part of his story. There is hope. You can grow in this area to the point where you have an enjoyable, life-giving sex life together. And, and so we just want to leave that with you. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, there is hope. And we're praying you on, we're cheering you on. And uh, if you ever want to just reach out where you can find our emails on the show notes, um, if you have questions or other concerns or you want next steps, um, we'll do our best to help, but feel free to reach out. Uh, but thanks for listening and uh, we'll check in with you next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.